Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good morning again. So last week, we kicked off this series on hope, and I'm really excited about it. It seems like perfect timing with everything that's, that's going on in the country and, and in our lives right now. And I think we understand that there are a lot of different situations where hope is required, um, and lots of forms of hope, I think. Um, if you are either the Penn State Nittany Lions or the Ohio State Buckeyes, your idea of hope right now is a very different thing as the number two got knocked off yesterday. Um, the Chicago Cubs are very hopeful going to the World Series for only the second time in the modern history of baseball. That's a big thing. And then we come to the hope that, that we talk about with disciples of Christ and, and, and that when things really get serious and you're in an ICU or you're facing a, a completely new life decision, hope suddenly takes on a, a, an entirely different and, and deeper and richer meaning. And certainly the Bible um, talks about hope in a lot of places, in a lot of ways. Uh, we looked at Romans 15 last week. Uh, you don't have to go too far back in Romans, Romans chapter 8. And we see Paul speaking uh, about how all of creation has been groaning as if it is in the pain of childbirth, waiting for the birth and hoping for the birth of God's kingdom to come in its fullness here on the earth. And, and Paul reminds us something that's very true and we have to keep in mind. It says, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. And so by definition, we hope for things that, that we have no grasp on yet, that aren't, you know, perhaps real to us yet. And yet we still hope for them. Titus, again, Paul writing, he says, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, and in 1 Corinthians, at the end of a rather puzzling sentence to the Corinthian church, he says, just, Father God, just come. You're our hope. Just come. We need you. And for all of those things, there's, there's plenty of verses on hope. And, and um, perhaps some of you will know the, the text for this morning. We're going to be in Jeremiah, uh, verse 29, 11. It's a very well-known verse. Uh, in fact, I remember the first time I encountered this verse, I, uh, not long after becoming a follower of Jesus, uh, my grandmother started sending me, she always sent me birthday cards, but she had never put scripture in them. And so she began putting scripture in my birthday cards. And I think it was the second one I got from her was the verse Jeremiah 29, 11, which, which goes like this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, and plans to give you hope and a future. And I thought, oh, that's so nice. What a wonderful thing for Grandma to say. Because at the time, my extent of Bible reading was, was limited to the about five minutes in the morning. I would go to work a little bit early. I would sit in my Jeep. And, and here's what I would do. This was my complete method for, for reading the Bible. I, was, I would light up a cigarette. And then I would flip to a place in the Bible. And, and just 
you know, do the wherever my finger lands, that's what I'm leading t- reading today method. And that was the extent of my Bible reading. So I had not yet flipped in over to Jeremiah to, to explore this. And uh, later I found out the context of this verse. And it makes it no less hopeful, but uh, it, it gives us a little reason to think more deeply about it. So we're going to jump into this morning. I want to pray first. And we just ask God to, to go into this with us. Father God, you are the author of hope. You are the object of our hope. And you are the cause for our hope. And so this morning, Lord, as we delve into your word, as, as we delve into what you find hopeful, Lord, and how you want to show us your hope for not just for us, Lord, in our lives, but, but really for this, this whole world, Lord, the, the entirety of your creation. So, Holy Spirit, I ask that you come, come and fall upon us. Do what you would do this morning. Touch those as you would touch them. Lord, I ask that, that, that you um, give you my words, the, the power of your voice, Lord, that, that I can get out of the way, Lord, and you can speak what you want to say here. And, and the same for those who hear, Lord, that uh, they are able to hear you with open ears and open hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, here's the situation. If you're not familiar with the book of Jeremiah, the nation of, of Israel has been consistently disobedient to God. God has, consist, has sent many, many prophets to them and said, look, I don't like the way this is going. I chose you to be my people, to be a witness among the entire world of, of the great God of the heavens. He said, I brought you out of Egypt and did some things there so you would understand how much I love you and how I've chosen you to be my people and you're going to be my witnesses on the earth and you are how the world is going to come to know me. And Israel time and again and time and again is just human. <laughs> They're just human And they keep not getting it right. And so God says, I have other ways to communicate this to you. I have other ways to communicate this to you. And he says, so what I'm going to do is there is a country to your north, Babylon. And there's a very large empire there. And I'm going to allow these people that you pretty much detest to come in, sack all of your wealth, They're going to take all of your best and brightest people and carry them back to Babylon. And Judah, which is one of the 12 tribes, will suffer. And it's not going to be good. And guess what? It's going to last for 70 years. 70 years. And so, if I told you at whatever age you're at, that the next 70 years in Myrtle Beach are just going to be the absolute worst period of time you can ever possibly imagine. You're not going to like it. Nothing is going to go well. Would you stay? (laughs) Would you have a very hopeful attitude? Probably not. And so, as people are wont to do, rather than sit in God's truth and what he's told them and, and say, okay, well, you know, we kind of earned this and, and we're going to get through this. People start popping up 
And they start telling the Israelites and, and, and the people of Judah, they say, you know, it's going to be fine. It's really going to be good. You know, look at us. Life goes on and everything will be great. And the Lord says, no, that's really not what's going to go on here. And, and this young man, Jeremiah, who is roughly college age, has to stand in front of powerful Jewish Pharisees and, and teachers of the law and say, no, God didn't say that. And he didn't tell you to say that. And so this young man really is given a voice. And for it, he gets no respect. But, so there's, there's one particular prophet, Hananiah, who has just really taken things too far. He says, not only is everything going to be fine, all of Israel is going to be restored in two years. This is, that's the equivalent of standing in the middle of post-World War II Germany and going, you know what, guys? Everything's peachy. Going to be great in two years. And it's just not what God had said. He said it's going to be 70 years. And so Jeremiah takes a minute to remind Hananiah of that. And then this great promise from God gets presented to the people. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. You have a fill-in there this morning that will help me stay on track that... Uh, our speaker for the rest of the services today, Doug, uh, so wonderfully created and, and I am able to benefit from. Uh, so this morning, so your first fill in is this. God has a plan. God has a plan. And I'm just going to give you God's plan in a nutshell. Here it is. God's plan is to make himself famous. God's going to glorify himself. That's God's purpose, is to glorify himself. Because at the end of the day, he's the only hope all of creation has. And that's God's plan, is to make himself famous, to glorify himself. So how do people get famous? I'm looking for real answers here. How, how does someone get famous? None of us are famous, so we don't know, right? <laughs> Come on, dude, if I knew that. Say that again? Social media. Social media. There you go. Hey, let's get your name out there. Be known, right? Probably one of the biggest ways. What's another way people become famous? Travel to places, yeah. People, you get to be known in a farther and wider area. How else? If I gave you the name Jonas Salk, how, why would he be famous? And you're like, Brian, it's 8.30, not time for trivia, okay. <laughs> yeah, he invented the vaccine for, for polio, cured a disease, pretty much. I think God has a plan to cure disease, does he not? There's all kinds of ways, and the ways God is going to make himself famous are the same way that anyone gets famous. Be known, be widely known, do some notable things, and these are all things that glorify God. 
Your second fill-in on there is this. God's plan includes you. God's plan includes you. See, God just isn't going to pull this off just by himself. He's going to include you to do it. If he's going to become famous, guess who gets to make him famous? What a wonderful job. <laughs> what a wonderful thing to be given to do is to, is to help God become famous on this earth among all people. How can we do that? Go ahead. <laughs> Go to church. Okay. How can we make God famous with our lives? Spread the word, exactly. Say that again, Alan. Yeah, by our witness. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's our witness that is going to make God known around the world. By the things we do, how we live our lives. It makes a difference. And so that's why you're part of God's plan. Your third one, third fill-in is this. God's plan is good. I would say God pretty much has the best plan. And here's how I know. It's worked because it's better than anyone else's plan. It's certainly better than my plan. And the reason it's worked is because God has already funded his own plan. If you want to think about it this way. God has already empowered his own plan. You see God's plan was so important to him. That this works out. He's all throughout the word. Beginning in Exodus. He tells the Israeli nation. I am going to be known by every tribe. Tongue and nation on this earth. And you're going to be my witness to do it. And later on, as we see, that doesn't include just the Jewish people. It's going to include the Gentile people, which means you and me, anyone who's not Jewish. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And God says, this plan is so incredibly important to me that I'm pretty much going to make sure that it's going to work. And he ensured the plan with Jesus Christ. Because now we're part of the plan, but the plan doesn't rest on us. God said, I'm going to ensure that this plan works. If we go down and, and we read up above in Jeremiah, there's some things that, that knowing that now, that um, God's given us a little bit of instruction with, with what to do while the plan is being executed in ways that we can, can be part of the plan. I think we termed it the who, uh, when, where, and who of hope or the time and person of hope. And the first thing that we can do is this. Remind ourselves that the time is now and be fruitful. In Jeremiah 5 uh, over to seven, it says, build houses, settle down, plant gardens, and eat what you produce. 
Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. God is saying wherever you are, Wherever you live, whatever time it is, it is the perfect time. The here and now, Myrtle Beach, or, or if you're visiting this morning, wherever you're from, is the here and now. So dig in. It's not going to ever be better. Or maybe it will be, but what if it isn't? You know the old phrase about waiting. If, if you wait till everything's perfect, it'll never be perfect. God says, get into it now. Build families. Make homes. Invest in the place that you're at. The second thing is this that we can take out of that. The place is here. Be faithful to where you are. Take it's, a, it's another way of God saying, take ownership for the place that you're in. A long time ago, I think it was at least eight or ten years ago, I, I went to Tim and I had some, I don't know, crazy idea for something to build off probably in another country. And Tim said, whoa, whoa Ranger, let's just bloom where we're planted. Bloom where we're planted. I think that's a great way to sum this up. Build families, make homes, and be faithful to the place we're at. Take ownership here and now at whatever point we're at in our lives. And the last thing is, is, this, is this, 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 the person of hope God. And so we're called to be prayerful. We're called to be prayerful. I love, I've got to pull this up because I want to read it exactly. As it is. In uh, 29 verse 12. Actually says this. At the end of, of telling the people of Israel. That I have plans to prosper you. Not to harm you. And do everything well. God says. Then you will call on me. And come and pray to me. And I will listen. I will listen. God says, be prayerful. Talk to me about all of these other things. Talk to me about what it means to be fruitful and multiplying in your life. Talk to me about what it means to be faithful. Talk to me about what resources you need. What does this plan include for me particularly? If the, if the broader plan says God will be glorified and famous, what does Brian do for that? How does, how does that fit in Brian's life? How does that fit in Brian's life today? Sunday, October 23rd. How does that fit in your life today? So God has a plan. God's plan includes you. And God's plan is good. Chip, if you want to come back up.
I want us to pray this morning. Those are wonderful words. Words that we hear a lot. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. My idea of God's plan for my life looks really good. I, I, I draw lots of, you know, good, wonderful, wonderful things in there. I'm not so sure some of that isn't me wanting the best possible future. There's all kinds of ways to glorify God. Most of them involve things that we would never have thought of on our own. I dare say most of them. <laughs> so this morning, let's, let's just pray. Let's just, Lord, we come before you. Knowing, Lord, that you have plans and a purpose for us, Lord, and you've made good promises to us, Lord. And what does that mean for, for us? And so, Lord, I ask this morning that, that you just speak to each of us who, who, who as your word says, will, will come and will cry out to you. Lord, and you said you'd listen. Lord, and I know there's, there's, there's families here who have people struggling with illness, Lord, and sickness and, and things, Lord, and your plan still holds. Your plan still holds, Lord. And your plan is still good. And some of us, Lord, you're calling to things. You're calling to things that we had no idea we would ever be doing. And so, Lord, reassure us, Lord, your plan still holds. Your plan is good. Even in our timidity, Lord, even, even in our questioning, Lord, your plan is still good. Speak to hearts here this morning. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. You can learn more about us and access a video archive of our messages by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel led to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or download the PushPay app on your smartphone and search for Seacoast Vineyard Church. Thank you.